Hi, I'm Scott. I hope you're doing well. You're listening to another episode of Scott G. Gibson's Stories podcast. And in this episode, I'm beginning my sequel to Bad Luck Bevan. It's called Lucky Buckley. I'm going to read the blurb now to start us off, in case you're not sure what it's about. Bevan thought his bad luck had improved. He's a school captain. He made it on to the school cricket team. And he has Lucky, his dog to ward off his brother's evil cat, Shrek. But life has other plans for Bevan. When he loses his lucky coin, his luck seems to end. He's forced to wear embarrassing dental headgear. His mum is sick and his parents won't tell him why. Life's about to get a lot more complicated. Will Bevan survive his new round of bad luck? And so I'm starting today with chapter one, which is called Learning the Drill. I've always hated the dentist. Every appointment I've ever had, I get the evil maniac who takes pleasure in torturing me and making me gag. It almost seems like the smell of antiseptic and mint, combined with the high-pitched whine of drills, drives them crazy. Perhaps all the villains who have ever lived were dentists. As I laid back on the chair... Mouth wide open, fists clenched in pain. All I knew was that I was going to die. The cherry-flavoured moulding clay slid down my throat as the orthodontist shoved the mould shields into my open mouth with his gloved hands. Keep your mouth open, Bevan. This won't take long. Okay, now hold still. Dr Savage, the orthodontist, peered down at me through his plastic safety glasses a blue surgical mask covering the lower half of his face. A messy mop of grey hair covered his head. The bright light shone behind him, turning his head into a grotesque silhouette. The clay stuck to the roof of my mouth. Your mum said you're a drummer, eh? How long have you been playing? He asked. I grunted a reply. What did he expect? My mouth was packed with metal and moulding clay, which oozed down my throat uncomfortably. It was hard to fight the urge to gag and vomit up my breakfast, but somehow I managed. Please stay still, Bevan, Dr. Savage warned. He touched the clay with his latex-coated finger. Almost dry. I'm a drummer too. My favourite song to play on the drums is, well, it's probably a bit mature for you. I know how you young ones like your techno music. Dr. Savage checked his watch. Okay, let's get this out. He began to pull the moulding plate from my mouth, which made a loud squelching sound. It felt like I had chomped into quicksand. He swapped the plate with another that his assistant had prepared and repeated the process, this time on my bottom teeth. Luckily, the plate was in the shape of a horseshoe to keep my tongue protected from the goop. While Dr. Savage gave instructions to his assistant, I thought of Lucky, my pet dog, at home in my bedroom. I hoped he wasn't peeing on my bed. Again. I had been to see Dr. Savage a few times before, and, much to my dismay, I had to be fitted for headgear. Not the awesome padding footballers wear to protect their skulls, but dental realignment headgear. The goal was, as far as I could understand it, to attach a metal ring onto my back molars and pull them away from the front of my mouth. 
Dr. Savage, would monitor their movement until I had a series of retainers to pull each tooth back until my overbite was corrected. There was another wet squelching noise as Dr. Savage removed the second moulding plate from my mouth and handed it to his assistant. He got me to rinse out my mouth. I picked up the white plastic cup and swished the water around my teeth. When I spat into the little circular sink, little flecks of red clay swirled around before washing down the drain. Now, Bevan, we've made these moulds so we can track your progress from start to finish, as well as making you a plate to draw those next teeth back with the headgear, which we'll fit today. He began to sort through the materials in his tray, pulling out the bits and pieces which were sealed in plastic packets. You must wear this every day, or your teeth will keep moving forward as you grow, and our hard work will be ruined. Dr. Savage's face moved behind his mask, which I assumed was some maniacal smile. I had the sudden urge to look around and see where the spy was hiding. With one hand, Dr. Savage held up the black band which would wrap around the back of my head. It appeared to be made of some kind of foamy rubber, and had white strips at each end, small holes dotting the plastic at regular intervals. Little raised numbers sat next to each hole. In his other hand was a metal half-moon with two curved strips. The outer strip hooked out on each end, presumably to attach to the white plastic strips. Now I'll explain how it works, Dr. Savage said, putting the pieces together. These spikes here on the inside crescent go into these bad boys, which will be glued on to your teeth. Then, when you've got them in the holes, you'll hook these white strips as tight as you can make it into these ends here. He pointed to the hooks on the outside bar. The tighter you have it on, the more your teeth will move. You'll feel a bit of pain, but it's normal and means your teeth are moving, which is good. Of course you'd think it was good, maniacal dentist. I thought. If it becomes unbearable, take it off for a bit. If it continues after that, take some paracetamol. You'll notice as time goes on that you'll move up the holes like a belt with weight loss. It took me a a lot of mental effort to process what Dr. Savage had been saying. Other than questioning his sanity, one thought kept repeating itself over and over in my mind. I will look like a freak. The thought wrestled with my brain while Dr. Savage and his assistant glued the metal rings onto my teeth. When they had finished, I ran my tongue over the rough surface. It felt like I had large metal spikes rubbing against my cheeks. I look like a freak. Dr. Savage assembled the headgear, sliding the bars into place and hooking the bands on, testing their tightness. Okay, Bevan, let's show you what you look like in the mirror. Now it may take some getting used to, but remember the long-term benefits. His assistant handed him a circular handheld mirror, and I saw my reflection staring back at me. A hideous monster had taken over my appearance, and I was surprised I didn't break the mirror. I had done that before with a ball. I was a freak, a hideous freak. No way I was going to wear that thing in public. I'd be running out of town like some kind of monster. Well, it seems to fit nicely, Dr. Savage said, removing his mask. We'll sit you up now and take you to see your mum. As the chair whined, its motor lifting into a seated position, 
I felt like Darth Vader, deformed and ugly. I wished I had some kind of mask to hide my shame. I couldn't wait to take it off. Oh, Mrs. Buckley, Dr. Savage said as he walked into the reception area. We're all done here. Bevan will need to wear the headgear as much as possible. During the day as well. They shared a look in my direction as if I would disobey, which was a good guess. And when his teeth have moved back enough, we'll move on to the next phase of the plan. Now, please see Linda to schedule the next appointment. See you next time, Bevan, Dr. Savage said, smiling briefly down at me. He went back into his surgery, shutting the door behind him. Mum looked down at me, a strange look on her face. It seemed like she was trying to get used to the freakish sight of me wearing headgear. She gave me a smile, but showed too much teeth, like she was trying too hard. You look very handsome, Bevy, Mum said, putting a hand on my head. Admit it, Mum, I look like a freak. I couldn't help myself. I felt awful, and I knew I looked terrible. No, Bevy, I'm telling the tooth. She grinned at me, hoping her pun would cheer me up. It didn't. Oh, Bev, you love puns. What's up? It's not nearly as bad as you think it is. And it's only for a short time to help your teeth for years down the track. Maybe there's no reception for puns in here? I gave her a smile as she paid and organised my next appointment. Mum, the dentist was really mean, I said when we were outside. Really? How? Mum asked. Because he hurt my fillings, I said. In normal circumstances, without the self-consciousness of my headgear, I would have laughed. Oh, Bevan, you crack me up, Mum chuckled. We need to go shopping on the way home, Mum told me as we walked to the car. The parking lot was quiet, but I could feel thousands of pairs of eyes staring at me. Maybe a spy had come to defeat Dr. Savage once and for all. When we arrived at the car, Mum searched her handbag for keys, looking worried. She searched her pockets frantically before looking at me. Bev, where'd you put the keys? Don't tell me you've lost them. She looked at me accusingly. I don't have them, Mum. You never gave them to me. I... I stopped. Mum was shaking with laughter as she pulled the keys from her handbag. Ha, ha, ha. Great joke, Mum. Very funny. Hilarious. Hysterical. Side-splitting. Riotous. Obviously, I thought it was anything but. Why'd you ever forget that I locked the keys in the car? It was one time. My voice was whiny with complaint. Maybe, Mum said as we got into the car. When I'm old with memory loss. She grinned at me, this time filled with true mirth. Gee, thanks, Mum, I said sarcastically. Even though Mum had pulled a prank at my expense, I felt better. Felt more normal. I thought I'd erased all of my bad luck when I found the coin, but this headgear seemed intent on reminding me that I will be unlucky forever. Besides, I'd left my lucky coin at home, locked away in a coin safe I'd seen people use at markets, and just had to get. I kept the key hidden away, not wanting Ben to find it. Mum drove into the shopping centre car park, which was filled with people. I might just stay in the car, Mum, I said, my heart fluttering nervously. Rubbish! The car will get too hot. Come into the air conditioning.
Mum slowed down over a speed bump, searching for a vacant space. You could leave the car running, I suggested hopefully. No, Bev, I could be ages. There's a park, she said, putting a foot down to get the free spot before anyone else. A car was coming from the other direction, also speeding up. The race was on. Mum drove faster to get to the park, but it was occupied by a small hatchback, as far forward in the park as it could go. Fruitcakes, Batman! Mum exclaimed. This was her version of swearing. The people in the other car laughed as they drove past, looking at Mum and me. My cheeks went red. My stomach churned. My fingers found their way to the scar at the back of my head, beneath the headgear band. They were laughing at my headgear. I knew it. Mum continued driving until we found a park at the edge of the parking lot, as far away from the centre's entrance as possible. Can I take this thing off before we go in, Mum? I asked. No, Bev. Dr Savage said you need to wear it as much as possible. Maybe he meant it as a figure of speech. I'm sure an hour won't hurt. Do you know how much it's costing us, Bev? Mum asked, successfully making me feel guilty. We spent the money to have you looking nice, and you're going to wear it and look nice. End of discussion. Mum turned off the car. Maybe it was Dr Savage's evil twin brother talking. Maybe he wanted to make me suffer. Maybe the real Dr Savage is in trouble and needs our help. Mum glared at me. Come on, Bev, let's go shopping. Mum got out of the car and closed the door, leaving me with no option but to follow her. I made sure to watch Mum put the keys into her handbag as we walked in the blazing sun through the car park. I drummed my hands against my thigh as we walked, practising our band's song. It was all I could do to take my mind off the people around us. We entered the shopping centre, the cool air washing over us. Most of the other shoppers threw us curious looks, their eyes dancing quickly over my headgear before tiptoeing away to look somewhere else. I felt like a sideshow attraction at the circus. Hold on, Bev. I just need to visit the loo. Do you mind waiting out here for me? Mum asked without waiting for my response. She rushed down the hall to the toilets, one hand holding a mouth, the other holding a stomach, her handbag twitching around her shoulder. I stood awkwardly, trying to ignore the looks of the shoppers passing by. Finally, I could take it no longer and followed Mum down the hall, double-checking I went into the men's room, just in case. Once I had finished at the urinal, I stood in front of the mirror, staring at my hideous reflection. The metal bars of my headgear stopped my lips from closing fully, and my teeth were already beginning to hurt. A security guard came through the door, staring at me as he walked to the cubicles. I washed and dried my hands before leaving, dread weighing down my stomach. Out in the hallway, I heard a loud groaning sound coming from the female toilets as I walked in to the shopping centre to look for Mum. She hadn't finished. What's taking us so long? I wondered. My hands moved subconsciously to the scar at the back of my head, which I had had since birth. The smooth skin usually helped me to stop worrying and bring me back to the reality. But it was not helping this time. I was too weighed down in my worry about mum not being finished, as well as a sea of eyes peering at me in the shopping centre. The security guard came out, 
peering suspiciously at me as he walked. I was just about to remove my headgear out of panic when I saw Mum walking towards me from the toilet hall. Ready to shop, Bev? Mum said, her hand holding my shoulder. She looked a little pale. Yeah, I guess. I was beginning to think you had gone on without me, I said as we walked. Sorry, Bev. Secret women's business. She said it like that explained everything. All through the aisles of the grocery store, I wondered what secret Mum was hiding. Was she horribly ill? Did something happen to her in the toilets? Or was it just something she ate? As I thought through the problem, I felt eyes drawn to me like bad luck. One thing was certain, I couldn't wear this headgear to school. I woke up the next morning with my teeth drilling painfully into my jaw. A puddle of drool had pooled on the pillow beneath my cheek, abseiling down the metallic bar of my headgear. I cringed as I removed the band from its clips and used a tissue to wipe away the spit. A long red line had formed on my cheek, an imprint from the bar of headgear. Lucky began to stir at my feet, his tail wagging as he stood up. His tongue lolled from his mouth as he bounded up to lick my face, knocking Funky Trunk, my stuffed elephant, off my bed. Stop, Lucky, I laughed, half-heartedly trying to push him away. Although dog slobber is incredibly gross, especially when you're forced to taste it, I always loved waking up to Lucky's eager happiness. Ever since he was first brought into my bedroom, I had let him share my bed during the night. I was even happy to endure his incredibly stinky farts, or brumbles, as Dad calls them. Brumbles, bum rumbles. Mum lets out a lot of brumbles, just like Lucky. It wasn't so great when Lucky peed the bed, but I had been working hard to toilet train him. It just meant that I was forced to pull my zombie-like tired body out of bed to let Lucky outside for a wee. Some nights I stood leaning against the doorframe, peering through the fly screen while Lucky explored the shadows. Once, I had fallen asleep and woke when my head had hit the screen security door. When I felt Lucky had done his business and was just wasting my precious sleep time, I whisper-shouted his name, not wanting to wake my family or the neighbours in my attempts to get him back inside. On nights where the moon shone on the still ground, my voice peered into the shadows. In my moments of sleep deprivation, I sometimes felt like leaving him outside to whimper at the door until morning when we were all awake, especially when the moon was extremely bright, illuminating many exciting treasures for Lucky to find. The most important reason to let Lucky sleep in my bed, however, was a scare-away Shrek, my brother's pet cat. Shrek was black, and had been a burden to my unlucky life since he first entered our house, to the point where he had followed me around trying to trip me as much as possible. But Shrek was scared of Lucky, and stayed well away from my room whenever he was with me. Lucky meant so much to me that, when I arrived home from school that afternoon, I was devastated. Shrek was sitting proudly on my bed. He looked up, bored, unaffected by my scary new look. Even though I searched everywhere, I couldn't find Lucky. 
that was the end of chapter one. I hope you enjoyed listening to the beginning of Lucky Buckley. Next week on the podcast, I'll be reading from chapter two, Pound for Pound. Thanks for listening to Scott G. Gibson Stories podcast. Please subscribe and share with your friends. I'd love to hear your feedback or if you have any other book recommendations to share, please let me know. You can find me on most of the social media platforms. Like Lucky Buckley, you can read my books as an ebook or in paperback format. Just search for Scott G. Gibson in your favourite online retailer. If you're enjoying what you hear, I'd be forever grateful if you left a review on Goodreads or Amazon or wherever you get your books. Reviews, good and bad, are important, not just for sales and to let others know what you think, but because it lets me know that you've chosen to read my books over every other distraction available. And for that, I thank you more than words can say.